French doctor, maybe. <clears throat> Happy podcasting. Yeah, some people think uh, true crime is very stress-relieving. I think it is. I might be yeah. one of them, honestly. Because uh, if I didn't listen to podcasts all day, I'd probably go fucking insane if I'm being real. Especially at work. Oh, yeah. Especially the loud goddamn air tools running. And the overwhelming sound of everyone's crushing sadness. Yep. I, I just wish I could listen to anything at work. I, that sucks, man. You should, uh... Oh, you can't. Never mind. Because if, uh, you gotta be able to hear in case something's falling on your head. I mean, yeah, but we're also very alert of our surroundings. <laughs> but if you had headphones on listening to podcasts, you might not be. I mean, you just take a quick look around. Sure. Well, you're... Okay, you're listening We've to... only had a pump truck tip over once. Just the once. How does that, yeah. e how does that even happen? Very soft ground. Uh, oh, so like sunken... Bam. Yeah, so like okay. the outriggers are out and whatnot, but because of the weight of it, it just womp. Was so, it a rental? I, <laughs> <clears throat> well, no, it's uh, the company we use for pumps. Yikes! So I, initially, I thought he was like drunk and high on concrete fumes. Right. Yeah. No, kind of went. Can you get high on <clears throat> concrete fumes? I don't see why you couldn't. I, I mean, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> Will or, you try it? Or the gasoline you use to get the concrete off of you. But is that the secret technique? Secret tech. No, the one time that happened, I thought I was about to see a dead body <laughs> just laying there. Yeah. Well, have you ever uh, have you ever seen uh, Grey's Anatomy? Nope. Yes. Somehow, one episode, guy falls into like they're redoing a sidewalk, falls in, decides to just stay there. It gets frozen in it, doesn't die. Just chisel him out. It's fine. Huh. Why the sidewalks he... are only four inches deep. His whole body was in this fucking thing. Why didn't he move? I don't know. Maybe uh, it's quick drying cement. I, I couldn't tell you. Maybe he said Even I... like quick crate, the fastest, <laughs> you have 15 minutes. He wanted to be one with the ground. Uh, My other favorite one was where these two guys were doing like a war reenactment and they had a fake rocket launcher but it had a real missile in it. What? Not sure why. And it shot in this guy and he got stuck like under his rib cage, but yeah. he was still alive. And one doctor was holding it, so it wouldn't detonate. And then the main character, Dr. Gray. Gray, yeah, she decides to grab it and hold on to this missile. And it's a two-part episode. And then she's like, they're basically convincing her that they're going to die because if she lets go, it's going to blow up. So it's like that uh, old Batman movie where he has the bomb with the wick on it and he runs over to the bay, <laughs> but there's dolphins swimming in it. Ah, uh, he doesn't he, want to kill him? He runs down the street and there's children playing with a clown and he runs down another street and something else is there that he can't kill. I kind of, I, I don't really feel like Batman is a humanitarian. Adam West Batman was oh, a bit of a humanitarian. Yeah, okay. okay, I was going to say Christian Bale, he probably let him die. Yeah, he's just kind of a prick. Yeah. You know? Okay, hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly, except for last week. Yeah. Uh, who knows what it'll be about, certainly not me, my name is Adam, sitting across from me as ever, Jordan. Hello. Baby Watch 2020. Baby Watch 2020. Uh, you're uh, on call right now. Yes, I am honestly surprised that I'm here today. Is it, okay, is it, because uh, the last time we recorded, it was like in the two week range, right? Yeah, now we're down to it's a matter of 
minutes, essentially. Really? Yeah. Well, when is the the expected due date? When is the date? The they expected told you? due date is eleven days from now. Okay, oh, so you're in the window. Yes, yeah, so you're still good to go. You're in the birthing uh, window. <laughs> yeah, after the false alarm and Amy had an appointment two days after it, like, she's starting to dilate and all that, so... Okay. so you're checking her nightly? Well, I'm I'm not, <laughs> yes. but... No, it's, uh... Basically, if she calls me instead of texting me, I know I need to get out of here. Do you have, So I'm guessing then you set up a fun ringtone. Like a like a weird ringtone, so you know no, it's a... No, uh, my baby back with <laughs> <laughs> It's just a song. The actual ringer on this phone doesn't work. Ah, so. that hmm. could lead to problems. Well, I've you got... got it, a pager, though. I've got it on my lap. It'll vibrate. Oh, it's okay. a buzzer. Okay. He's got a buzzer still. <laughs> Jordan, good job. Uh, have you managed to stay safe from the insane powers that be, including the police... That are fucking people up. Yes. Good. I I finally Google Maps it last weekend, and uh, Derek Chauvin, the fucking murderer. Who I called Derek Chavez on ac- accident earlier <laughs> yeah. today. No Z. Uh, his house in Oakdale is less than a mile away from where Amy and I live. That wow. I have, that I have so, heard as well. Last weekend was weird, I'll say, because... I was like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, pick up stuff to make dinner. So I go to the high V. Okay, they're boarded up and closed. I go to the Cub across the street, boarded up and closed. All right, fuck it. I'm just going to get, you know, Taco Bell or something. And everywhere it was closed yep. by 5 o'clock. It I was bonkers. Like the holiday across the street from us, they were closed for, I think, five days. Now, remember this, Like, they Jordan. shut off their pumps and everything. Yeah, and put roadblocks up. That's what all the SAs did in St. Paul, or Speedways did in St. Paul. Yep. Now, remember this. Remember yes. all of those fucking businesses, okay? <laughs> yep. Remember them all, because okay. they didn't close a single fucking minute for COVID-19. But yeah. as soon as they had a risk of losing <clears throat> a little bit of profit, mm, yep. they shuttered their fucking oh, doors. Yeah. They don't service the communities that they live in. Uh, only at the best times, only when you're guaranteed to be flush with money will they be open. But if there's one chance that they might lose a dollar, they're going to board up and run away. Yep. That's unbelievable. They don't care about their employees. They don't care about anything. Well, and I remember like when the uh, looting and burning moved to St. Paul, we were actually working in St. Paul that day. Really? Yeah. Did you see see anything? The... Where we were, so there's First Grand Avenue Liquors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they got looted, and we got done with work an hour before that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Adam, we were right down the road from you. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no activity. Today, there was an awesome protest march that fuck yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. They blocked right. off Grand and everything. It was great. The uh, Okay, then, uh, before we start attacking all the businesses, I'm going to shout out Little Oxendales over here in the Oxendales. market. They, uh, yeah, they boarded up, but they've never closed, not through Beautiful. COVID, not through anything. Beautiful. Listen, you're probably, you might stumble upon some expired food, but I think it's a family-owned yeah. business. Hey, they are. <laughs> you can go in there and yeah. get whatever you need yeah. during this crisis. Oxendales, formerly known as Jim's Market, so and did, wait, did when I was a young it? teenager living here, it was known... Or it was called R.C. Dicks. Yeah, that's when I we first moved to this area. Yep. That's what it was called. Then it was Oxendale. So 
And the running joke was, oh, see our dicks. (laughs) It's a nice little grocery store, though. It is. It is. It's, uh... it doesn't have the greatest selection. Nope. It, it reminds I me a lot of I will never Iowa. buy meat there again. Oh, that sounds like a bad call. Look, yeah. it was. I'm gonna. It s- was. You <laughs> might stumble upon a piece of meat that has the protective thing has a little slit on it. It's yeah. a little gray there. Uh, don't buy that one. And uh, buy the other one. And especially during a meat shortage, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to buy. My, you don't want to buy already suspect meat. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Here's the thing, guys. Shout out. Wherever you can from the rooftops, all the businesses that remained open, shout them out and tell them they did a great job, as long as they weren't in a high danger area, okay? I would like to throw a huge Bread shout and out chocolate first. To- Bread and chocolate. That's why I started this whole thing. Yeah. Bread and chocolate in St. Paul. Please exclude my workplace oh. from that Walzer, list. No, yeah, that doesn't count. We know that that's the pit of hell. Yeah, I know. Uh, one of my... Absolute favorite restaurants. I know I've talked about them before. Pimento Jamaican Kitchen. Mm. Their original location on Nicolet in Minneapolis, right by mine and Amy's old place. They have shifted from being a restaurant to being like a community center. That's for what lack I'm talking of a better about. term. Like they're collecting donations for like diapers and non perishables and stuff, and they're handing those out. To put a point on it, not to dredge it any further. <laughs> we'll get right into the show real quick. Okay. But keep up the good fight, everyone. Yep. Uh, ignorance is not cute. This is a new age. Uh, we're all going to have to adjust. I know I am. I already started. So everybody else, get to it. You know You know uh, what? what is really weird is so Phil and I on uh, our like look back at 2019 – that was supposed to be like mainly a conspiracy thing, whatever. Right? Sure. Well, he had a guy who like studies statistics of events that happens in human history based on how when they transpired, like through years and stuff. And 2020 was supposed to be like the peak of something really big. I think we're and finding he, it. And yeah. he, he, this, whoever this guy is, I don't know if he's like a statistician or something, but he, uh, yeah, he said 2020 is going to be a big year for like advancement in uh in change, a lot of change, hopefully a lot of positive. That's change. what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, uh, just... I think we're seeing that people are sick of uh systematic racism. Right. It's an uncomfortable uncomfortable period of change we're about to have to go through. Yep. I did but find getting <laughs> the fuck over it and change. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. As three white men sitting here, I feel Cis I speak white for men. yes, I feel <laughs> comfortable in saying that all of us think shit needs to change. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the bumble butt guarantee. We'll put our stamp on that. And let's get right into Marcel Pacho. Let's do it. Two. Let's talk about a Frenchman. I agree. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll remember, a gruesome discovery was made at 21 Rue Sewer. Hmm. Body parts everywhere in furnaces in lime pits. Hmm. Detective Commissioner Massu is our protagonist. He's the man we'll be following most of all through this adventure. Okay, is he a good guy or Absolutely. bad guy? Okay, he's fantastic. Good guy. He's okay. our boy. Okay, all right. At some point, on the morning after the gruesome discoveries were made at 21 Rue Le Sue, a group of four black uniformed Gestapo officers pulled onto the scene and handed our protagonist, Detective Massu, a telegram from the high command of the German military occupation. Order from the German authorities. Arrest Pescio. Dangerous madman. <laughs> I love that. Quick and right to the point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You would love German officials. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just curious. Are these Gestapo 
officers dressed in all black, the original Hot Topic shoppers. Yes, they're okay. the original <laughs> goth edgelords. <laughs> A lot of Linkin Park albums are on here, boys. Get them. Fuck the Gestapo. <laughs> Shortly afterwards, one of Masu's detectives in Pecho's hometown of Yan called with some interesting news. In 1926, just one year before he married Georgette, Pecho had a lover named Louisette Delaville who would end up disappearing under mysterious circumstances. Mm, okay, kind of a sexy name. Yeah. I well, she she shortened it from Louisette to Louise, which is nice for my That's fine. That's vocal like six, that's yeah. like 50s hot. Mm, Louise. Mm. <laughs> In the 20s, so she's like 30 years fucking <laughs> early. Louise, as he called her, worked as a housekeeper for one of his patients. She and the doctor had met some two years previous, where she had served him a meal. Mm. He used his impressive contacts around town to learn more about her. He wrote her a letter and asked his friends to deliver it. It said that Louise, if interested, should call him at his medical practice or show up at his house on Rue Carnot. This is a very old school way of asking someone on a date. Some real yeah. hand Handwrite him a letter. Mm. You know. When she called the next day, they arranged a date for the local bistro. The date went well, ending in a romantic walk back to Pacho's house. Ooh. They would continue to sneak around in a torrid, forbidden, taboo love tryst, until eventually she had to move in with him. For the sake of appearances, she became his cook and maid. Oh, so so she she's essentially his maid slash, slash mistress. Yeah. I've never seen Handmaid's Tale, but I think <laughs> uh. she's that. Okay, probably well, not. I don't I, think so uh, because those that women, show's fucked up. Those women are like forced to give birth. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. is it a little yeah. different? <laughs> is it a reverse Children of Men? Yeah, kind are of. Are most of the women barren? No, 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 no. There's only a few of them that can give birth to kids. Yeah, so most of the women are barren. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Children of Men's like one person. Yeah, right. But uh. But yeah, I think you're thinking of like maybe Hands Made Tale, but like the porn version. <laughs> so. I think that might be called Hands Made Tale. Hand Jobs Tale. <laughs> Jobber's Tale. The Handymaid's Tale. <laughs> there you go, I love that. Well, boys, the difficulties of living with Peccio came thick and fast. He was obsessive, compulsive, and immediately began an affair with another patient. Jesus. Well, when you said thick and fast, I was going to assume that meant ejaculation. Well, you know that thing, too. <laughs> There's rumors that Delavo may also have been pregnant at the time of her disappearance. At least that's what she told her friends, adding that Pecho would take care of it. The young doctor was already supplementing his double income by doing abortions on the side. Ooh, that was kind of frowned upon back then, I think. In 26, I yeah, believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. In May of that year, Louisette Delavo disappeared. Pecho explained her breaking up with him as a result of a fight so loud that she stormed out of town without saying where she was headed. Apparently, Louisette had not said goodbye to any friends or family in town either. She left no forwarding address and didn't pack any personal belongings. Now, I was listening to Leonard Lake this afternoon, and Charles... Okay. Charles, mm, <laughs> Very disturbing. They were talking about how in those days, and even earlier in the H.H. Holmes days, people could just fucking disappear. You could get away with murder, no problem back then. Mm. Well, I mean, it... Really, it is true. You didn't have any way to track you. You could literally glue pubic hair on your upper lip and you're a different man all mm -hmm. of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, you didn't have discerning tattoos. You could change your, you could literally write a different name on your yeah. ID. 
You're good to go. It's easy. You can And you can make people disappear with little to no trouble. Okay, not the murder part, but if you could disappear this easy nowadays, would you do... Like, you're Adam now. Right. And you want to move to, let's say, Montana, and you want to be Grant the Elk Massacre. All right. Would you be... A, would you be down for that? I mean, I have to... <laughs> Commit a crime or or wrong somebody no, no, I no. love you, in a terrible you way. You just want to like start your life over. You want to hit. You want to. You're you're an NES. You're gonna hit that reset button. Yeah, but I'm pretty good right now. Okay, I'm liking it. Ba-da, there had to be a point. There had to be a point in life where you're like, man, I would just want to restart. Yes, definitely. Okay. De- so. Oh yeah, there was definitely a lot of those. <laughs> in early June, not long after Louisette's disappearance, Petcho is reported loading a large wicker basket into the boot of his sports car. This gained relevance two days later when the body of a young, attractive brunette in her mid-twenties was received from the same style of basket outside of Dijon. Mm, Is that where the mustard comes from? I believe so. Mm, I love that mustard. And something I've learned very important is uh, from my knowledge of movies from 50s, 60s, never trust a wicker basket. Don't trust them. No. There could be a cobra in there. (laughs) Well, that's just Steven Spielberg's version. (laughs) Most of the time, it's a dead body. (laughs) Even crazier and getting more relevant to Commissioner Massey by the second, the corpse in the basket had been decapitated, the body dismembered, and the inner organs and intestines had been removed. Sound familiar? Um... Sounds like a certain basement on 21 or Hulassua to me. Ah, yes, you are right. I thought you were leaning towards a different serial killer, Mm -hmm. but no, this makes sense to this guy's M.O. With a German arrest order in hand, Massu hurriedly drew up a warrant for the arrest of Marcel Pecho and, for good measure, his wife, Georgette. The steps of an investigation are always the same. Statements, interrogations of witnesses, picking up clues and fingerprints at the scene of the crime, and everywhere it seems necessary. All of this then compared and examined scientifically, looking for anything that could be useful to the demonstration of the truth. They always slip up. A murderer, at the end of the day, is still a fucking idiot. That's right. That's right, Detective Massey. That is Massive. true. That is very true. They're always going to leave a loose end. Mm. They're, they're never going to... It's never going to be the cleanest job ever. I just don't believe it. I, they always get caught. See, this guy is a real, the, real cop here, right? Because he didn't have an intern to come look for jizz at the murder scene. He had to do this himself. He crawled down in that lime pit yes. and stepped on bones, man. He had to kick out them grave diggers who were swimming in there. <laughs> <laughs> Said, boys, boys, pool's closed. You've had your fun. Get out of here, you creepos. <laughs> when the task force returned to the Rue Comartain, which is uh, where their current apartment is. Mm. Okay. okay. All right, all right. When they returned there the following morning with the search warrant, there was no one there. In contrast to the filthy and furniture-stacked rooms at the house on Rue Le Sewer, the apartment was spotless. Detectives found a large supply of coffee, sugar, chocolate, and booze, which were all difficult to get in wartime Paris. Really? Oh, yeah. Those were rationed to the tits. This sounds like... These are common items with a lady who had just broken up with her boyfriend. Right? Coffee, sugar, chocolate, booze. Oh, my God. (laughs) There must have been a lot of breakups in the 40s in France. (laughs) Maybe that was the problem. Gee... Uh, I think Helga just broke up with Hans. (laughs) (laughs) There was also a veritable pharmacy of prescription drugs and other illegal narcotics, most notably a large supply of peyote and 504 vials of morphine 
which were worth a fortune in the underground. Really? Jesus. Just like the doctors of today, physicians of the time were the most readily available source of illegal drugs in (laughs) Paris. Along with the drugs, inspectors found a collection of bizarre artwork and a number of masks described as diabolical and grimacing. On a pedestal in his office was a wooden statue about two feet in height of a beastly pan-like creature (laughs) with a hugely large dick. Dr. Pachot, the cops soon found out, was the sculptor. Okay. Dante's Inferno. Doesn't Pan, like, the original creature have a big dick on him? I thought he was just a little half half goat man. the goat man. I thought he had a big dick on him. Maybe. Or did he just say, this goat man's so sexy, I need a large dick put on him? Yeah, that sounds more like Dr. Pachot. Mm, Um, Did you... Have you ever seen the documentary, the animated documentary Hercules by Disney? <laughs> yeah, I have. Does Danny DeVito play Pan in that or just he do- a Pan? I don't know. Is he called Pan? I know he's a little like dancing satyr guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a little satyr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't. Who's Hades? Is that? Um, James Woods. James Woods. Mm. I was, uh, that's actually not a bad film that's one of my favorites that i i feel like that film might have been when disney started including their ladies with thick bottoms uh if you had a thick ass in that uh, meg was like the the dancing the choir of girls they always they had like really tiny tops but like their thighs were humongous bless my soul perk was on a roll (laughs) i love that movie it's pretty good you'll never guess what guys dr marcel pachot was indeed selling drugs Oh, you don't say. (laughs) By March of 1944, he had 95 drug addicts registered to his quote-unquote detox program, which consisted of weaning his patients off their drugs with increasingly smaller doses of their preferred poison. Pecho had gained a bit of a reputation for this style of treatment. He was also known for being a sympathetic doctor who would indulge his patients. So he basically pioneered methadone. That's pretty much what he did, except he, he, he subscribed fucking, or prescribed heroin. Mm. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Piccio, for essentially killing Sid and Nancy. Oh, God my damn it. God. Fuck you, Piccio. <laughs> Apparently, they were terrible. Or no, Sid was a terrible m- musician. She was just kind of there. Nancy was just along for yeah, the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, you need to listen to... No dogs in space about the misfits, since that, you are a misfits boy. No dogs in space? Marcus it's, Park's new music podcast. Yeah, it's actually, oh. I think it's really enjoyable, but they covered uh, the whole misfits from, like, the bottom to the end. All right. So, like, the transition from uh, evil Elvis to weird hillbilly? Well, they talk about misfits <laughs> and, like, what was it, like, five or six different drummers, I think? Uh, they they did have a lot of drummers, and Gl- so and apparently one of them just died. Oh, really? Apparently, yes. Glenn's not very nice. No, he's uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> he uh got his shit rocked by I believe a security guard at the caboose. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, the video. I think it was another, the caboose. Oh, the videos of another band member punching. Oh <laughs> uh, no! The video I saw is Danzig like trying to throw a punch at a security guard, and then like he just misses, and the security guard doesn't even like punch him. He just like 
puts his hand around his neck and he's like, "All right, let's calm down there, Mister Fucking Five Six. Yeah. Well, the the best part was I was looking up pictures of what Danzig looks like now, and there's a coronavirus <clears> meme, <throat> and it was like measuring Glenn Danzig, and it's like, okay, three foot two inches. So technically, you need to stand two Glenn Danzigs away from yeah. the next person. <laughs> Pretty much, he is a very tiny human. He's a little boy. Yeah, yeah. he was ripped though. Yes, he was. He was fucking ripped. <clears throat> All of the misfits were at one point, weren't yeah. they? Uh, Jerry only. Mm. Not, not Jerry. Not fucking Jerry. Doyle. Doyle. Yeah, Doyle. is still just the pro- jacked. He's so the gross. Pro looking. wrestler. <laughs> the pro wrestler. He's so gross looking. Oh, my God. I mean, that's really <laughs> He's <right>? like, <laughs> it has to be. He's like 60 and he's dating like a 30-year-old. Vegan gains, man. He's, I'm telling you. He's killing it. Oh, Following this thread, Masu learned that Pecho had a sizable file with the DEA equivalent of Occupied France, who dealt with prostitution, procurement, pornography, and drugs. This specialized unit, known as the Brigade Mondain, <laughs> launched a clapdown on the Paris drug trade in early 1942 when they decided to arrest suspected addicts. You can't name your unit after... It sounds like a type of cheese only hipsters have access to. <laughs> the Brigade Mondain? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> Crumble that right over my <laughs> Pischetti. One of Dr. Pacho's patients was arrested in these drug addict dragnets, a gormless man named Jean-Marc Van Bever, a 41-year-old coal deliverer who had started this job only a few months earlier. This was his first real job. Previously, he had invested away his inheritance into a number of printing businesses that ended up going belly up. At the time of his arrest, he claimed not to be an addict, but instead was only mixed up in the drug game because of his girlfriend, a prostitute named Jeanette Gall. Mm. At 34 years old, Gall had a severe addiction to morphine and its stronger cousin, heroin, which had grown in popularity for uses far beyond its original use <laughs> as a cough suppressant. In November of 1941, <laughs> the two star-crossed lovers would meet. After three weeks of regular prostitute visits, Van Beaver asked Gall to move in with him, and she promised to quit her job and the drugs. I wonder if they, they're like morphine were like member on uh Surrettes? Yeah, yeah, yes, the little they look like basically super glue things. Oh man. Uh, they made me really want one when I was playing LA Noir. I was uh, like, I bet that's fucking crazy. Did you see that uh when I found that syringe outside of the Yeah, what was up with that? Uh, that was outside of the five eight. Wow. Right? I don't know. I'm Uh-oh. just like Well that doesn't bode well for <laughs> My burger didn't have any syringes in it, so that was okay. God damn it! I hope it was a diabetic. <laughs> I I don't I don't do I feel like they use the little ch- ch- the click ones, right? And they inject themselves. Yeah, in. my dad does. Yeah, it's like a pen now. Yeah, it's it's pretty painless. That looked like a straight up <sighs> hypodermic. Regular, yeah. Yikesy, wikesy. Yikesy, wikesy. Gall remained an addict and had active heroin prescriptions from five different doctors. One of them, of course, was Marcel Pachot, who in 22 days had written her five prescriptions personally, as well as two for her lover, Van Beaver. Apparently, they really need it. <laughs> a summons for questioning was issued for Pachot, and the prosecutor would hear his case privately decide whether or not the state should prosecute. The prescriptions were legal, Marcel argued. He was merely attempting to cure his patients by weaning them off the heroin. This method was far superior to having the addict go out and possibly kill or steal for their fix. The state was wrong to charge him for trafficking, he said. If he was actually selling drugs, he would have charged far more than 50 francs, which would fetch 10 times that on the black market. 
if we're being fair here, technically he is doing the right thing of slowly weaning opioid-addicted people off of their narcotics. But in 22 days, you probably shouldn't write the same lady five prescriptions. That is true, but uh, how long does it take up? Like, how long should you be taking, if you're on heroin, how long should you be taking morphine for the, like... Or you mean methadone? Or methadone, sorry. I'm not, Um, I'm actually not sure. hmm. You know, having a former co-worker who was a heroin junkie and went to treatment, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Hmm. As far as the Van Beaver prescriptions went, Petio said that he had been told he was an addict, and after a physical, he agreed. (laughs) Van Beaver and Gall would later change their stories at least three more times, forcing the prosecutor to indict the patients as well as the physician. Okay, lump them all in. Their trial was set for May 26, 1942. Two months before the trial, however, Van Beaver disappeared. When the trial date came, Pecho claimed Van Beaver was obviously too ashamed and scared to show up, which meant Pecho should be declared innocent immediately. The police would eventually search Pecho's apartment, finding nothing to implicate him in the disappearance. They did, however, find a surprising number of jewels, linen, and other objects of value in an office drawer, which Pecho explained as gifts of clients who could not afford his fees. Finally, the prosecutor turned to Pecho and said, Rest assured, no one is accusing you of burning them in your stove. (laughs) I feel feel like that's probably exactly what's going on here. (laughs) Jeanette Gall, the prostitute, would receive a 2,400 franc fine and a sentence of six months in prison. For being addicted to heroin, I guess. Oh, if he's getting 50 ah. francs for the drugs, and that's a lot, this yeah. fine must be, like, impayable. Especially for, like, a poor prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. Because he said that the the heroin that he was prescribing for 50 francs, uh, he could have charged 500 francs for it on the black market. Jesus. Okay. Damn. When she returned to the streets after her little stint, she picked right back up where she left off, even visiting Dr. Pacho again. She died three months later of tetanus, which tends to happen when you use unclean yeah. meals. That's like mm-hmm. one of our biggest fears, I feel like. We don't want to have locked jaw. Oh, <sighs> tetanus is scary. <laughs> Man, I don't even know what happens with tetanus besides locked jaw. It's scary. You get rust in your blood. Mm, you don't want it. <laughs> you no know rust blood. <laughs> Van Beaver. Van Beaver was pronounced guilty in absentia and sentenced to a year's imprisonment with a fine of 10,000 francs. He was never found. I feel like we know where he is. Dr. Pecho was let off with a 10,000 franc fine, which his lawyer managed to get down to 2,400. Marcel got out of this one with his reputation completely untarnished. This so, didn't go on his record at all. So he's got some money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he I, kills people and takes all this <laughs> shit. I think you call that uh, expunge. Uh, He's fucking McSteely from Rick and Morty. (laughs) The case was certainly perplexing to Masu. On one hand, he was relieved to be getting unambiguous instruction from the Gestapo, hoping it would mean German authorities wouldn't interfere or obstruct. At the same time, the Gestapo rarely expressed interest in French criminal case. When they did, it was to catch a culprit whose crime consisted of opposing the Nazi regime. So since the Gestapo were so interested in Dr. Pachot, did that mean he was working for French resistance? With another funeral in the books at Passy Cemetery, the gravediggers went back to their other job of sieving through the Pecho townhouse, grabbing bones and rotting limbs from the pit, placing them in wooden boxes that resembled mini coffins, and then transporting them to the IML, or 
Institut Medico Legal, <laughs> the most advanced institution that would go on to pioneer the use of science in criminal investigations. This this is actually a perfect transition for me to ask you two uh, guys questions. So, Adam, I told you I watched uh, Jason Goes to Hell today, right? On Hell, HBO Go, yeah, right now. HBO Max. Oh my gosh, That'd I got be it. Right. Max. But uh, I kind of was sit- sitting there wondering. Is a medical examiner considered a doctor? I believe they are. They have, have to be, to don't be they? A doctor? Yeah. Like if you're just you're doing an <clears throat> autopsy to find out what happened or whatever, are you a doctor? I'm. I don't know. If my NCIS knowledge serves me correctly, okay, they good. do have to be a doctor. Good what, doctor. Was Abby a doctor? Uh, no, Ducky. Oh, Ducky! Right, Ducky was a doctor <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Abby didn't do that. She just did forensics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. that answers that. Yeah. There are some, re- have you seen The Staircase on Netflix? Yes, yes, Now, there's some medical examiners that shouldn't ever be, or at least that big fat fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Ugh. I feel like that, uh, you get paid off by either the defense or the prosecutors, and then you kind of just sway your professional opinion in whatever way they pay you. <sighs> Nothing's worse than those emails that get leaked where... The prosecution and the crime lab are obviously working together. Kind of sounds like what's going on right now here. <laughs> but that's a more between the bumbles conversation. <laughs> Fuck. I'll just say, I think that guy in the staircase killed both his wives. You think just, so? I don't. I don't really? think he did. I don't think he did either one. How does two wives die of fucking head injuries? But that fucking blowpoke thing was such a misdirection. Mm, they they yeah. harped so far on the fucking blowpoke. Just, uh, just kind of bruise if you're rich, you can get away oh, with murder. I know. <laughs> so, a few more things about the Institute Medico Legal. Hmm. The mugshot, as we know it today, was invented in this lab in 1890, along with the great idea to bring a camera to the crime scene and document it. The current head of the IML was Paris's chief medical examiner. Well, here you go, Doctor Albert Paul. So he was hmm. a doctor. Okay, there we go. A renowned 65-year-old forensic scientist. A legend in its field, Dr. Paul was known as the doctor of 100,000 autopsies. That is a lot of autopsies. Mm. Jesus. Yeah. Are you a butcher yeah. at that point? Or <laughs> I would assume you can name every part of a human body at that point. <laughs> I've got your filet man, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> Boo, but I love it. Massey and Dr. Paul had met 32 years before when both were starting their respective careers. And in all that time, Massey had learned a few things about the doctor. He hated chatterboxes and long questions and had a vicious temper. Massey would have to keep this in mind during his dealings with him. I, I kind of I agree with this guy right now. Too many chatterboxes makes me angry. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> <laughs> have you ever seen Letterkenny on Hulu? Yes. It sounds so familiar. That's the fucking... I mean, that's the show that Brad has based his entire life on at this yeah. point. I think I think Phil recommended that one. Yeah, Phil. it's like a mix between Trailer Park Boys and The Office, he I said would it say. Was, he said it was Canadian. <clears throat> it's so good. Okay. It's right. like... It's like a light, always sunny Trailer Park Boys office. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, the muscle shirt got delivered today. The muscle's getting delivered tomorrow, bud. <laughs> <laughs> On the Rue Sewer case, Dr. Paul would be assisted by a special squad of forensic legends from the Museum of National History. Ooh. How could a couple of history buffs be helpful here? Well, they were specialists in fossil reconstruction, an expertise that would prove invaluable. 
They would have to match arms, legs, torsos, and thighs. They were asked to determine the number of victims, IDing them by age and gender, as well as cause and time of deaths. So they can do that just by looking at your bones. Well, do you believe in fossils, or are they planted by the devil to fool time travelers? <sighs> well, yeah. okay, we got Yast who claims are planted by the devil. We have Max who claims are planted by the devil, and we have scientists who claims that they're. Ancient creatures. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Listen, Max and Yasin, they put together a compelling case. Yes. <laughs> You've got perfectly stable Yasin and then Incel Max. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Max. <laughs> Yo, I don't know what he's up to right now, but Me I, neither. I, hope, I hope he's living it up. I hope yeah. he I hope he's staying sane. It, he got a new car finally, Adam said. Yes, he did. I mean, Honda. Like six months ago. <laughs> But now he's on that $1,000 a week lifestyle, bro. Mm. This team had managed to assemble nearly two complete skeletons and two half torsos. For the most part, they were dealing with bones such as the 10 collarbones, nine sterna, six shoulder blades, and one complete pelvis that didn't match with anything else. There were also several human scalps, which weighed 11 pounds in total. Jesus. Okay, so I feel like this would be the perfect job for someone who either... Really likes Resident Evil puzzles or mm. just likes puzzles in general. Mm. Putting them all together, they make mm. a little dinging noise when they match. Bing. <laughs> I, just look, and if you're a detective, just look for the uh, glowing sparkle that tells yeah. you where you need to go. Oh. <laughs> I just want to see how they react. Everyone's like, all right, well, we have these two complete ones, and then eh, fucking 10 collarbones. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's make whatever we can here. <laughs> I, 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 that, a freak. Dude, that would be amazing if they flew these guys in there. It's an AC-130. <laughs> <laughs> they're making model kits. <laughs> That'd be sweet if they flew these people in there and they're like assembling the bones like, this is the most fascinating, fascinating dinosaur I've ever seen in my life. Did dinosaurs transition from human beings or and what? why do they all live in this lime pit? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a Humosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> in a freak stroke of luck, on March 14th, an investigator spotted an attractive woman in a black skirt and coat carrying an expensive leather suitcase. When the policeman approached, she did not deny that she was indeed Georgette Pichot, but instead said, I have done nothing wrong, before collapsing on the platform. Two uniformed officers <laughs> carried her out of the station, and one young man assisted, crying the entire time. This was her son, Gerard. News of the arrest spread quickly. And when Masu's car approached the office, a crowd of reporters and photographers were already waiting. Commissioner Masu helped Georgette out of the car, trying to shield her from the paparazzi. I mean, how fast can the paparazzi take photos in this time period? Yeah, they I have mean, to, wouldn't they, they have, have to, to like, like snap the picture and then like pour the flash powder, <laughs> wind their camera, I was gonna say, fucking... get out from under that blanket? <laughs> I, like, I, I, I have to go to the dark room for thirty minutes. <laughs> I don't think this is gonna be some nightcrawler shit going no. on here. Everybody stand still for three minutes so we, it can burn on the plate. We hear she's coming here in around three hours. Go set up, boys. <laughs> what? The the car is two minutes away? All right, I'm going to hit my button. Then hopefully by the time she's here, it's going <laughs> to flash <I'm> good. <laughs> be can good. You, <laughs> can you imagine two reporters on like a moped and he's trying to hold this giant oh, thing? <laughs> and it like explodes every time. Yeah. Slow down, Charlie. <laughs> Once in the office, Massu brought Georgette to her seat in his office and asked if she would like a beverage. She declined. Then, as usual, Massu iced her out for a bit, shuffling some papers, walking to the window, and he finally launched into his questioning. 
Well, Madame Pichot, what do you know? No need to rush. We have a lot of time. Begin wherever you like. I, I must say that I was unaware of his business. She spoke with a low, barely audible voice, and in her hand was clutched a small handkerchief. <laughs> Mrs. Pachot explained that she knew her husband had purchased the property at 21 Rue Le Sewer three years before. Masu, settling into a chair, noted her starting to sweat. Oh, she knows that's not something. good. Here's the other thing. Do all ladies in this time period have a handkerchief just in case they they faint? Yeah. I in feel case like you get the vapors. Has one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even my entire life, my dad's carried a handkerchief just to blow his nose into. What are you going to do? A snot rocket around should, the town? You, you can't should, do that. That's what I do. I was going to say, that thing is probably so fucking crusty at this Oof, point. Yummy. Or do you wash it when you and him take a shower? <laughs> that's when we wash it. Yeah, that's when they wash their... Come on, I've, I've got so much chef's hair, heat. it's like a Brillo pad. So I was like, oh, yeah, just wash your handkerchief on this. <laughs> <laughs> the back hair is still too soft. Oh. Sure, yeah, we'll get there. It'll, yeah, it'll get there. She said she had only been to the house about two years before, but had never gone inside. She never liked the house. She thought it was too big, and it cost the couple half a million francs. Oh, even more shitty, according to her, it would mean that her husband would be home even less. But, as was custom at the time, she didn't protest the purchase of the property, because her husband brought home all the bacon. Yes. Massu asked her about her husband's bicycle and trailer. Georgette Pichot claimed not to remember exactly when he bought them, but she was sure that he bought them as a package. She knew that he used them. She knew that he used them when he went to the auction houses, where he would buy old books and antiquities. Antiquities. I was just envisioning this guy's going to a bike shop. And he's like, "Look, dude, you buy this bike, throw in the trailer for free. Hell yeah, we got a deal." Fuck. Hey man, can't turn this but, down. But we can't be hating on it because I mean I'm gonna be pulling the kid in like one of those weird kid trailers behind a bike. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Is that that kind of trailer? Or is this like you pull it in or you drive it up on a trailer and haul it around? Like what kind of a trailer is it? It's a tow behind. A tow yeah. behind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like the kid trailer. It's just like a box instead mm-hmm. of like a nice comfy mm-hmm. mesh. See, system. I had the idea. He's driving a bike up onto like a trailer oh my gosh and then driving driving it around (laughs) attaching it to his horse and driving you know i'm just gonna grab this trailer my bike's on and pull it around with me he's gonna drive it around oh god damn it cody i love the way my bike looks (laughs) look at it it's blue (laughs) she was absolutely fervent in her defense of her husband claiming he was a very gentle man who took care of his family his patients adored him, and if they were poor, he wouldn't take a gosh darn dime. Listen, he just sounds like a good guy in that aspect. Shit, man. He knows but, how to fucking no, be a dick. I was going to say, he sounds like a serial killer who has perfected the life of living a killer life and living a normal life. That dual yeah. life, man. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some, someone wants some medical advice and help, and they're too poor, and he says, don't worry about it. That's the right thing no, to do in that situation. No, he says, don't worry about it, I got heroin. That is what he <laughs> How is do we know he's right giving now? everybody heroin, Cody? <laughs> if he's giving it to addicts, I'm assuming if you have a boner that's lasted Well, listen, if it helps heroin. with your pain, okay. I'm kidding, I don't condone it. <laughs> don't do opiates, please. <laughs> My cousin died of them. Ew, so. that's too bad, sorry. 
When Massu dug into the events of March 11, 1944, the day the chimney fire was discovered, Georgette said that her husband had spent the entire morning making house calls. The, the couple had eaten lunch together at the apartment, and then at 3 he left again without saying where he was going. Around 6 p.m., Petio returned home and received a client who had been waiting. At 7.30, the husband and wife dined together again, which was when they were interrupted by the telephone call from the police informing them of the chimney fire. Masu put the screws in hard at this point, hoping she would crack at any moment. Pull yourself together. I don't want anything from you. We only want the truth. What did your husband say? I heard the word police. Marcel immediately grabbed his hat. Did he say where he was going? No, he didn't give me an explanation. Did he often leave without saying where he was going? Sometimes. I never questioned. <laughs> Masu then asked her what she did all night after her husband's departure. I waited all night in an armchair. I didn't normally do that, but I didn't normally do that when he left without warning. But that night was different. It was the word police that disturbed me. Thanks, Shaggy. <laughs> oh, gee, Scoop. This shouldn't have disturbed you since you know your husband is incapable, as you say, of doing this evil deed. Was there something else that bothered you? He has for anal once. No. <laughs> Was it because he did not want butter on his croissant? <laughs> what did you call that? What was the French word for anal? Oh, it's... Yeah. Oh... I don't remember. It's from AFE. <laughs> okay. You never know these days what is going to happen to a man who has business with the police. Georgette was correct. Mm. The Nazi occupation had overcomplicated criminal investigations, tarnishing public respect for the law and the police who would enforce these Nazi rules. Kind of sounds familiar. Mm. Yeah. And also... Uh, Anal sex is a French blowjob. Mm. A, fr a French blowjob. There blow we go. Job. They got more, uh, why can't I think of the custard than Americans do? I fun. see. Of course, naturally. <laughs> yeah, sure. Custard. Okay, yeah. Okay, the following morning, he still didn't return home. Did you try going to Rue Le Sur to see if he was possibly there? No. I decided to return to Oxier, where my son is away at school. I tried getting on the 7 o'clock train, but there were none running until Monday, so I went to church and attended several masses. I spent the rest of the afternoon at the train station, not, wanting, not waiting for anyone or anything, but I just felt more comfortable in the middle of a crowd. Masu then asked her what exactly it was that she feared so much. Mrs. Peccio explained, that she had seen the newspapers with her and her husband's names on them and freaked the fuck out, as anybody probably would. Mm -hmm. After this, her hand opened, her handkerchief fell out, and she fainted. <laughs> this wouldn't be the last time she would collapse, or pretend to collapse, in the middle of an interrogation. She's watched a 50s uh, television program. She knows what to do. Yeah. Or is it 40... 20, 40s, yeah, 40s. 40, 40s. Yeah. whatever. 44. I, I'm sure they had some sort of cartoon. I'm sure The Young and the Restless was probably happening. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that show has probably been around since the beginning of time. Yeah. So. Do you think that'll ever get canceled, honestly? Fuck no. I think Greeks were doing it in the theater back when Ooh, Greece was popular. God. Well, that, that's one of the ones that, and uh, what's the other one? These are... The Days of Allah. Yes, that... That and Days of Our Lives will never get canceled. 
What's the edgy one? Well, there's been a several. There was one that was like particularly edgy Passions? compared to the other. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Acting's too terrible. Oh my god! It. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, the lead singer of Senses Fail when he was a baby was on. Uh, I think Days of Our Lives. And then did he go back on later or no? Uh, no, but his mom was one of like the main stars. Hell yeah. It's weird. You go from a baby on Days of Your Lives to an emo a, band. An emo band, and now you are a assistant manager at Hot Topic. It's, mm. uh, it's so, you know, life puts everybody in a weird circle. Uh, he he runs an animal rescue, I think. Okay, well, thank you, sir. Well, Matthew, he has some interesting musings about the wives of criminals, and I would <laughs> like to hear it in his own words. <laughs> there are those who. Real panthers in madness defend their men with claws out. There are the cold and insensitive ones who wrestling step by step discuss each argument and answer your questions with more questions. There are the stubborn ones who can pass through the entire night in total silence against the light of the interrogation. <clears throat> there are still others who, shaken and in distress, Discover as you do that they have lived for years beside a monster. Okay, so is he saying that she is just playing dumb? Is she no like okay, she knows something bad has been going on but chose to ignore it to enjoy the comforts of her life. I think kind that's exactly thing. what he's you know hinting what I, at. You know what I mean? They say the wife always knows, or the husband always knows, depending. I, I mean, we look, we've all been in different relationships than we are in now, and if someone, your partner or whatever, is doing something kind of fishy or weird... You definitely you, know. You, like, some, you know. something on a subconscious yeah. level tells you something's weird. Yeah. So she... He can't just come home with guts and bones all over his body and be like and lime yeah. constantly. Yeah, lime I'm sure that's constantly. Stinks. I'm sure like it you're a, you're a doctor, not a fucking <laughs> yeah. Jordan. Yeah, you're not a Mason. <laughs> Maybe uh, it's his hobby. So, in which category did our sweet, attractive, fresh-looking, beyond her years wife belong? And what about Doctor Pacheco's ride or die brother Maurice from the first episode? Mm-hmm. Well, Commissioner Massu was eager to tear into that ass. <laughs> Starting with his background, he established the childhood that the two had inseparably shared together. He confirmed that they both had been raised by their aunt Henriette and educated by their uncle Vidal. In the early 1930s, the Pacheco brothers drifted apart. Maurice believes this is due to the marriage of his new wife Monique, resulting in the brothers Pacheco. Little chill in their relationship. Ooh. Oh, that's not so. So Marcel got <clears throat> mad at him for getting married to Monique. That is right. Marcel oh. got mad at Maurice for marrying Monique. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking Mari episode. <laughs> 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 but they're just French people. <laughs> oh, Marcel, you are the doctor. <laughs> you are the doctor. I didn't even realize how many M's were in that sentence. Oh, man, the French love their M's. I guess so. But guess what? I love the French. Well, well, like, uh, when you did the detective telling that whole story, they're always so, like, poetic when they're weaving that story. It's a romance language. Mm, French is a romance language. It really is. So is German. (laughs) (laughs) It's a language of love. (laughs) It's a language of screaming. When it when you can't tell the difference between I love you and I'm gonna kill you, that's a, yeah, that's a very German thing. 
After Maurice and Monique's wedding on 9-22-34, the fraternal relatives didn't speak for five years. Damn. Damn. Marcel is a bitter boy. He's a bitch. Dude, I feel <laughs> fucked up if I don't talk to either of my brothers for like five days. Truth. I Truth. Don't, I don't have any brothers, but I would talk to them if I did. You talk well, to your sister daily. That's yeah. true. That is true. Yeah, imagine if you didn't talk to her for like five days. Well, You'd probably feel would, kind of if, fucking weird. I mean, yeah, but I'm always on edge that she might kill and eat mm. me. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we already know she's going to eat <laughs> you when It's going done. to happen. She keeps yeah. talking about this new sweet crock pot recipe she oh, found boy. on Pinterest, so... Oh, boy. I don't know, guys. Some long pork is exactly <laughs> what's needed there. <laughs> After the forced exile ended in the summer of 1940, Maurice would have a cautious lunch, as he called it, with Marcel... <laughs> I, I, I don't really trust this grilled cheese I got, but... <laughs> <laughs> Those broccolis are looking at me weird. Maurice, you broke my heart once. I'm very cautious. <laughs> Why are they bringing us out a bread basket? <laughs> Uh, so every two weeks when uh, Maurice traveled to Paris, mm. from what I can tell at this point, Dr. Pachot is a bit like a cat. He's anxious and cautious when he meets up with his brother for lunch, but by the end of lunch, they're having a hoot, and the party ends up back at Marcel's house for drinks and dinner with Georgette. Hell yeah. I mean, to be honest, this sounds like a an introverted person who you give them one glass of wine, and all of a sudden yeah. they're talking to everybody, glass of wine, everybody. Yeah. And a little attention is See? all they need. See, it's... They, they move from suspicious sandwiches to confident steaks. This That's is, it? That's is, it? This is literally Jordan after like three beers. Yeah? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> He's blowing the janitor in the bathroom. <laughs> well, okay, let's not go that far. Okay, that's eight beers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Massu then asked Maurice what he knew about 21 Rue Le Sewer. Maurice responded strangely, saying he remembers Georgette telling him in 1942 that they bought the property, but denied having any further information on the topic, saying, I have never known which street this private mansion was on, and I have never been there. I'm assuming in this time period, like a giant house, mansion, whatever, has to stick out like a sore thumb. Well, this was kind of in the upper echelon 16th district of Paris where there so it was kinda, mansion house. It's kind of like the Upper East Side of Manhattan, which... I'll take your word for it. I've never been there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be my guess, having watched that Epstein documentary and like his oh, house that's there. Oh, my God. Whew. Man. It's probably similar to hard. that. Is it? Oh, my God. It's... Confirmed pedophile? The guy's oh, fucked. Fuck, yeah. yeah. I think he could have gotten away with a lot of it or at least avoided detection for a long time, if he didn't always ask the girls to start by rubbing his legs and feet. Yep. That's way too corroboratable. And that's how he started every one, was rub my my legs and feet, and then he would jerk off while they pinched his nipples and stuff. And then sometimes he would, you know. Sounds like a Joe Maurer play date. Whoa. (laughs) I mean... Is Joe Maurer a sex pervert? No, I'm just saying... I don't think he is. I just assume someone like him likes his nipples twisted. Oh, sure, sure. Maybe not by underage children. Yeah. But But consenting his his wife. His wife, yeah. yeah, Probably he has a lot of nipple clamps. Yeah. Of course, when expert Detective Commissioner Massu twisted just a bit harder, Maurice qualified his statement. Yes, he knew the address. And yes, he had been there three or four times. In fact, now that he thinks of it, in 1943... Maurice had applied anti-mite treatment on the furniture and rugs. He shuck another cobweb loose in his brain and remembered a few months later, probably in December 1943, 
he had gone to turn off the water to the house in case the pipes rose. Oh, right. About a year later, in January 1944, he brought an architect out to look for leaks causing humidity problems. So that makes eight times total after he said he'd never been there. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Look, you, as a Frenchman, you forget. You're all hopped up on crates. Oh, and yeah. oh yeah. You or... use the word mansion. This is more of a uh, day mansion, yeah. not an actual yeah. one. This is Sorry, only I got grand. confused. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I thought we were being over a million francs here. Well, to be fair, if he's watching him put termite shit on his couch... They probably are inhaling a lot of bad shit. True. Maybe it wiped his memory. Asked if that was all the info he had on the townhouse. Maurice said, of course, Massey wasn't convinced. (laughs) I don't blame him. He decided to let Maurice sweat it out a bit and went back to check on Georgette. She had recovered from her fainting spell. Oh, God. (laughs) So he asked her to accompany him to their apartment on the second floor at 66 Rue Calmontain. Massey left his office first. And the pair were immediately enveloped and blinded by the flash of the paparazzi. Did she confess? Did she help dispose of the bodies? Did she help her husband flee? <laughs> and then Masu responded to all of these people. Gentlemen, my secretary is going to speak to you. Shit. As the reporters all rushed off to hear the announcement, thinking of all the hot scoops they need to get before the morning deadline, the commissioner escaped down the hallway with Mrs. Peccio and slipped into a car. Bastard. The secretary never made a statement, by the way. Ooh. That was just a, look over there. Can you imagine? Hey, look, a distraction. <laughs> Can you imagine going outside and basically you instantly get melanoma from all of the shit? <laughs> that weird flashing lights hitting you? And bone marrow cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just, just leukemia? I guess so, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> A few miles away, however, at Rue Camartin, there was another crowd of about a hundred people jammed on the sidewalks and spilling over into the road. Photographers and reporters were there looking for a scoop. Even a motion picture camera was set up in case of their arrival. Damn. Is that what they called camcorders before they were known as camcorders? Yeah, the motion they're those uh, movie picture cameras. <laughs> they move. I call that witchcraft. <laughs> well, how's Charlie Chaplin dancing? They just take a lot of pictures. Real quick like <laughs> I bet he can lick the clit so good with that tiny little mustache on his hand. Jesus Christ, Cody. <laughs> that stupid little elf. You know that's why he had it. Hell okay. yeah. Assassins! You are the assassins. You are jeering at my distress. Mm. After a locksmith hired by the police hurriedly opened the door, which had been locked since their last visit, Commissioner Massu, Georgette Pichot, and that crack squad of investigators entered the apartment. While detectives searched, Georgette sat in an armchair in her living room. Massey resumed his questioning. How was your life here? I like how she just took a load off. Just to have under a seat. custody. Yeah. Oh, like, oh thank God my go. lazy boy is still here. I mean, I've never seen this place. <laughs> no, this is at their apartment at 66 oh. Rue Calmontine. Oh, she's like, God damn, I haven't had my 16-inch cigarette extender in <laughs> fucking ever. <laughs> we lived... As the good middle-class citizens that we we were, we often went to the theater and the cinema. It isn't forbidden, as far as I know. Dismissing her tone, Masu kept going. He was a professional, after all, and couldn't be rattled by such jabs. Did your husband often say where he went? To tend to the sick, of course. Were you ever astonished by the jewels and the fine linens your husband brought home in his bicycle cart? Sometimes. 
Did he ever give you explanations? Yes, completely valid ones. <laughs> you fucking caddy lady. <laughs> yeah, wa- completely valid ones. I've watched Thank enough you. Hitchcock movies <laughs> and uh, Italian giallos. I know how to be <laughs> old-time cocky. Oh, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. I'm serious, dude. Like, the Italian movies back from those days. Full of sass. Women are very sassy to anybody. They don't take shit from nobody. Good. I hope that's still how it is today. She went on to tell Massieu about how he often made purchases at France's oldest and most prominent auction house, the House (laughs) Draw. which was commissioned in 1853 by Napoleon III. Oh, yeah, dude. Located a few minutes from the Pecho's apartment. The auctioneers and all the porters could back the story up. Pecho had indeed spent a lot of time huddled in a corner contemplating his highest bid. Okay. By the end of the visit, the crack squad of investigators had, unco- had uncovered nothing to implicate Georgette Pecho in the murders, the craziest thing they found was a five-carat diamond ring. Holy shit. That she couldn't explain other than to say it was a gift from her husband. In order to keep her in custody later, French police would charge her with possession of stolen property. As of right now, however, Massu didn't charge her with anything. He simply asked her to pack a bag and return to the station with him. I mean, technically she could be, if he can get her, she'll be like the star witness. I Certainly. Assume, so. That'll destroy the mm. that'll destroy marcel yeah destroy. we don't need her in jail we need her to testify mm-hmm. against him mm-hmm. yeah georgette was taken to the hotel Dieu, the oldest hospital in paris located in the shadow of notre dame the hospital was a segregated french and german hospital now georgette's not sick you may be saying to yourself right now but it also held important wis- but it also held important witnesses in criminal trials here the police reasoned mrs Petiot would be able to answer questions safe from reporters, photographers, camera crews, crowds, or anyone that may be looking to avenge a missing person by killing her. Massu's ulterior motive in all this, however, was to prevent a suicide attempt. So he's playing 5D chess right now. Okay. This man's brilliant. He's fucking Batman. Here's the other thing. Do you, why do they call it a hotel? I don't know. I don't know. I, I Come thought, on, Graham, we're going to the hotel. Let's go. I, I, I thought it was written wrong, but uh, no. Hmm. I guess a, kind of a hotel. Yeah, the In most depressing hotel. You know, the, the bellhop's going to take out my appendix. <laughs> <laughs> if you'll remember from part one, Marcel Pachot had become the bright young mayor of the mm. town of Yon. Some of his dealings as mayor... That's why I'd like to see him in- included on our Mount Rushmore of conmen. Hell He's yeah. gotta be. Firstly, during Petio's term as mayor, petty cash, spoons, ashtrays, or other such small personal keepsakes would disappear from around City Hall. <laughs> Everyone that worked there knew it had to be him, and soon the townsfolk were gossiping about his strange kleptomania. Okay, I was gonna say, I understand maybe the petty cash and stuff, but why are you stealing ashtrays? <laughs> Trinkets too, like personal. Yeah, it's like, just like a it's trophy collecting, probably yeah. for him. People love stealing ashtrays. I guess when I worked at Wabishaw, like if we left an ashtray out ten minutes after close, someone on the patio would just fucking take it. It's like it's it's ninety cents at Walmart. Go buy one, but they just took it okay. to have it. 
Now, when you stole an ashtray from Wild Machine, never you did. Ha- did you have to walk your car with a bone, or are you like you're okay? <laughs> just <laughs> shove it down your pants. Just tucking your Wabasha <laughs> shirt over your bone. That's I'll how see I you tomorrow. That's how I used to sneak booze into my parents' house. Was put it you under my it. balls. It's more acceptable to pretend you have a boner than it is that you have booze in your. That hand. I'm a severe <laughs> crippled alcoholic. Yeah, understandable. A local mechanic remembered Peccio coming into his shop looking to get his sports car repaired, which he did often because he drove like a maniac. James Dean. He'd show up humming, whistling, and joking around with all the boys, and every single time, once he left, something small like a tool or key would come up missing. That some bitch stole my Allen wrench. <laughs> when the mechanics would go to confront him, the mayor would simply give them the item back, laughing and making no excuses. Peccio polarized the town. Half praised him because of his elementary school reform, modernization of the sewer system, improvement of garbage collection. He built a tennis court and a shitload of playgrounds. Mayor Marcel, way more railway stops for his town. Really? That? I mean, so he's a 50-50 okay governor, or mayor. Mm, oh, he's still, uh-uh. okay. All right, uh, all right. This is why I want him on the Mount Rushmore is because of all of this <laughs> shit that he did. Just like how Soapy was building mm, roads, yep. schools, He puts up a house. good <laughs> face and then does a lot of bad shit behind him. Okay. Does his dirt in the mm, shadow. Yeah. Mm. Oh, by the way, one of the ways that he said he was able to get ri- more railway stops for his town was on a moving train, he would throw himself off everywhere he thought that a railway stop should be. So they just put him there. <laughs> no better marker than a human marker. That's right. Man, it would be really nice if I could just stop here. Yeah, just tuck and roll. What if he was like, okay, now about two miles that way, you'll see teeth and blood right there. That's where I want the goddamn railway made. I lost my incisors right there. <laughs> Others criticized the mayor for his less-than-savory actions, almost always involving corruption and his tyrannical control of the city council. Funds and property continued to disappear. At least one member of City Hall quit, claiming he didn't want to be engulfed in any of the scandals that were about to leak out of the mayor's office. After surviving several investigations into his thefts of oil and gas, Pecho was eventually impeached over a tiny infraction involving him stealing some 2,000 francs. I kind of equate this to OJ getting the makeup conviction in Las Vegas okay. for killing Nicole. Yeah. I just, uh, we can't get you for murder, so you get this. Yeah. Like a real big dick politician, the day before he was supposed to leave office, he resigned. <laughs> this didn't deter shameless Marcel one bit. He threw himself full force into the next mayoral election, appealing to World War I vets and workers alike, declaring that Parisian decadence and corruption were the cause of the rest of the country's depression. Okay, shift in blame. Absolutely. It didn't work. He was defeated. Prepared for this, he had already entered another campaign for office, this time as the French equivalent of a U.S. congressman. Pecho won, becoming the youngest of 34 representatives from Yon. Jesus, don't uh-huh. they... Don't generally congressmen have more power than a mayor does? That's the thing, yeah. He went up... Ooh. He, like, skipped governor and everything and went right to congressman. Ooh. One week after his inauguration, Pecho was accused of theft once again, this time by cheating his electrical meter to steal electricity. If there's one thing I've learned, power companies do not play about their money. No, they do not. The evidence against him was overwhelming, and as such, on July 19th, 1933, the jury pronounced him guilty. This conviction, his very first conviction, led to a temporary loss in voting rights. And if you can't vote, you can't hold office. Okay. I mean, I assume that's still a law. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Once I again, so. once again, the day before his removal from office, he resigned. Unfortunately, the political career of Dr. Marcel Pichot would be over, and his next phase was about to begin. I, I'm going to assume this is a very dark phase for Mr. Pichot. No, it's uh, nothing but sunshine. Part three is going to be disgusting. It's bad. I think so. Okay, so we got, we got, they've just, okay, you're, you're flashing back here, but This was a flashback to get him, because I, this is for him to be put on the Mount Rushmore. Right, okay. And it explains, that first conviction is going to be very important later on. Okay, oh. alright, so they're going to bring that up and everything, mm-hmm. okay, so we're kind of uh, seeing what is how, what they found in his house, they're trying to get his wife and, uh, and yeah, apparently he's been doing sketchy shit this entire time. He's on so, the lam for yeah. the entire meat of this episode. We, mm. we don't know where he is. We don't know what he's up to. Okay. I don't know where you would hide if you're in France. What would you hide under? What do they have? The Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. <laughs> where all the Nazis were marching every day. Okay. Up and down the road. I kind of like how the, the, the Nazis, some of the most despicable people ever, Looked at what he had done in this house, and there to me it kind of is like I, I don't want to deal with this. You oh, know what sure. I'm saying yeah. like the bodies, and they're like, "Ooh, fuck!" I'm, I'm sure they went in. They went, up. "Ooh, this wasn't us." And yeah, then they like, like, arrest this man. Okay, I know we're sick, but that is really sick, dude. Vile <laughs> prick. Uh, now the the biggest reason is they thought that he escaped into the mountains to become the chief of medicine. For a rebel terrorist French resistance band. Okay, all right. So he's kind of like the 1940s Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. I'm just saying, like, remember, I remember. To the Nazis, like, he's the Nazis yes. bin Laden, not the French people who uh, but we I, no, would consider the good guys. I'm saying, though, remember, everybody's like, oh, he's hiding in the mountains. He's oh, in the yeah, caves. Yeah. He's in the caves. He's in the caves. That's all I remember <sighs> hearing. He's in the caves. He's in the caves. He's yeah. on dialysis in the caves. I Even, heard that a few times. Oh, God. Even Yasin said there's too many caves in uh, Afghanistan or whatever Ooh. to catch him, which you is know, probably true. You know, they say the tunnels in Vietnam were covered in cryptids. Really? Mm. Hey, they possibly we... they possibly were using them, the Viet Cong. The cryptids. Using, yeah. <laughs> they said there was man-sized spiders in some of the rat tunnels, <laughs> which is terrifying. I feel like they played Resident Evil for the first time. Like, this remember the giant flashbacks? spiders? Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, so that's going to do it for part two. We have one more part to go. Hell yeah. yeah. And then we'll be in the goddamn books, boys. Hell yes. Well, if you enjoyed part two, which I hope you did, you can shoot me an email at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod. Uh. And Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. Don't forget, guys, we have a Patreon. Hell yeah. That you can sign up to. It seems like a few of our uh, members have gotten June's postcard already. Yeah, I, uh, I think I s- sent them out on, like the first or second day in June. So. Beautiful. Yeah, and they're already landed on people's doorsteps. I've noticed the mail seems to be slightly delayed right now. So, hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, I, mean, I hope you all get them soon. Yeah, yeah, they should. they should. Excellent. That's so good, guys. Yeah, go there. Donate at any level. $15 and up gets you in the postcard club, and you never know when one of us might... Draw something. Or Cody has fucking made seven fantastic ones already that <laughs> yes. make me die to think about. Mm. Uh, shit. Patreon's awesome. Now it's time for the most important part of the show. At least you ask Cody the iTunes reviews. Uh, it doesn't appear as we've gotten any new ones since... Mm. Uh, two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago. Well, yes, listen. Yes, yes. Things I, have been a little... Yeah. 
hectic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's the world's changed a lot. So. Let's focus on reviewing some of our uh, cohorts. Let's yes, say yes. Please do. Uh yeah. No, that's it's fine. Uh, when whenever you feel like it, leave us a review. That's yeah. When uh, whenever you can, or yeah. I'm assuming a lot. I feel like a lot of people are like ditching iTunes and being like, okay, Spotify oh, works so much better. Well, look at, look at the contract Joe Rogan just signed. Well, is he Spotify exclusive now? He's going to be by the end of the year. Yeah, he, what a loser. I've just, he has so much money. Why does he need to do that? Uh, because he's yeah. making $100 million by doing it. That's a pretty good deal. But he probably already had money. <laughs> right? I think he only had like 80 mil. Oh, only oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, Spotify. We'll take. Uh, yeah. Follow. Hit the follow button. Yeah. Follow please, us on Spotify. Please, please. And if you're listening, Spotify, we'll sign for like two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. <laughs> you I mean, don't have to give pay me as a much. deal. Mm-hmm. You know what? We'll say three hundred thousand. Yeah. I'll go Spotify exclusive mm-hmm. for three hundred mm-hmm. racks. Yeah. Uh, well, shit. That's gonna do it for all of us here at the Bumblebutt Podcast. My name is Ben Adam. Thanks for listening. That's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. That's been Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everyone. And remember to have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. I might not see y'all for a few weeks, oh. so you keep one threatening love. a baby. One love. Keep it real. Mm. Creep it real. All right, Bob Marley. <laughs>